Welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. My name is Michael LeBlanc, and I am your host. This podcast is produced in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Back on the pod for what has become an annual holiday tradition, just like turkey and eggnog, Eric Morris, Managing Director and Head of Retail for Google Canada, joins me on the mic sharing the kind of insights that retailers need to know from a trusted partner whose hand is on the pulse of the zeitgeist of our times. Welcome back, Eric, to the Voice Retail Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm wonderful. Thank you for for having me again. Annual tradition. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, it's not the holiday retail season without Eric Morris on the microphone. It doesn't feel the same to me. I'm I'm flattered. Thank thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, thanks for for coming back. Now, um, I can't imagine many more people that aren't known than you. Did I say that right? Like a lot of people know you. Uh, but maybe not everybody. You've been on the pod. I think if you're on the podcast one more time, you get an official jacket, by the way, like a smoking jacket or something. Saturday Night Lifestyle. Great. Exactly. For now, uh, for those few people who may not know who you are and what you do for a living, who are you and what do you do for a living? Yeah, uh, I'm Eric. Uh, I work uh, for Google. I've been here for the last uh, 20 plus years. I joined in 2002. I've spent much of my time here uh, working with uh, retailers, like a consulting practice. Uh, We have a team of salespeople, account managers, analysts, uh, experts who provide industry um, expertise. So we are focused on, our team's focused on the retail industry. We work with the large big box retailers and grocery, general merchandise, online only retailers, specialty brands, direct-to-consumer brands, uh, Shopify, Lightspeed as tech partners as part of the broader ecosystem. And we help all of these retailers uh, drive sales online, drive sales uh, in stores if they have stores and help them build their brand through uh, whether it's Google search or YouTube. And that's what I do. Definitely a trusted partner over the many years, uh, even going back to when I was in e-commerce in the early, uh, in the early days, you guys were there. So let's, uh, you know, as I said, you're, you're an annual guest and, and uh, what a long kind of strange trip it's been over the past couple of years. So how do we sum up? We've seen predictable shifts from goods to experiences. We knew, that was going to happen at some point. We weren't quite sure, or we didn't quite anticipate the amplification effect, I think, of the rate increases that made people go to travel and they bought a lot of stuff. And, you know, we're still trying to figure out COVID era impacts on our society, how we live and how we shop and where we work. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think that there may be a, uh, a good article in the Wall Street Journal this week uh, about something I've been thinking about, which is, you know, we, you and I would know, you know, we look at the data that more people are working at home and downtowns are a little less busy and, you know, people are shopping more online because they're at home. But I also think that now that people are kind of living at home, they're buying more stuff. It's kind of almost counter narrative, in other words, from the buying stuff to experiences. What, uh, can you help us with any of this? What are you seeing in Google data and google trends the zeitgeist that is google what do you what do you just to set the frame for us about what do you think for the year and and just distilling what you distill uh well uh first michael you're you're right there's been a lot of change that we've all had to deal with uh, as an industry it's always been an industry that's changing and dynamic and competitive but it's been a lot uh, these last few years from covid and store closures you know uh, people buying different different things different needs during the pandemic the rise of e-commerce, supply chain issues, a very changing uh, economic climate. I distinctly remember having two conversations during peak COVID. So I feel like it's like 2020, Mm. 2021. I reached out to two industry experts who I admire and trust, asked for their predictions, what's to come in retail. 
The first one said we were one variant away from buying everything online <laughs> per- permanently. Hmm. Uh, so that was expert number one. Expert number two said he thinks that everything will go back exactly the way it was. Uh, so two people who said two, you know, very, very different things. And I think, you know, I think if we were to reflect on those statements, you know, we've probably landed somewhere in between. Yeah. There have been some changes that have been very durable and some that are not where we did go back to um, the, the way uh, mm-hmm. it was. You know, at Google, we spend a lot of time sifting through really, really interesting insights, how Canadians search. This is aggregate data among Canadians. It's not personalized. We don't know who searches what. But for a country, really, really interesting things uh, in terms of what people search for, what videos um, they watch. And we can spot these trends. And these are the trends that retailers are interested in about their consumers, their shoppers, their potential customers, their competition, the, the products and categories that are surging, that are dropping. Uh, loyalty is something that's been really, really interesting for us to track, right? Are people more or less loyal to brand when they have new needs? Do they go to the trusted mm-hmm. brands and the places they've shopped before? Or are they more open-minded to shopping in different places? How do we think about price versus finding like the best things or, um, you know, that's a really interesting dynamic mm-hmm. um, to watch. You know, I, had this, I had yeah. this idea, I bounce this idea off you. Yeah. Um, I've called it, I've called it cash flow shopping. So that consumers are, uh, you know, a segment of consumers are looking for value uh, based on what they have to spend this week. So they may be able to find a better per unit value by buying a whole lot more or spending more, but they're they're kind of focused on what I have to spend this week, not, so in other words, like running their household like on cash flow versus like on, uh, you know, forecast, you know, that, that, that kind of nuanced change of behavior, for example, could drive more, more people into the dollar stores. We've seen the dollar stores grow. So just a, a kind of a thought for your, for you to ruminate on. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really, really interesting dynamic. I mean, everyone wants to know, like, what are the big trends? Uh, what's new? And, and the truth is a lot of these things are, you know, customer and retailer um, specific. We see uh, a rise in discount related searches this year. Uh, we've also seen a 20% increase in luxury related searches. Mm. These things are happening at the same time. Mm. And some shoppers may fit squarely into like one of those categories over the others. But I think most shoppers, it's sort of, it depends on what they're looking to buy. It's the same reason that you may find like a luxury car in the parking lot of a no frills, right? So there are some things that we splurge on some people, some things that we want to save on like in general merchandise, People want to save on electronics and flat screens, TVs and and home improvement products. We don't want to save on things related to our kids and baby. You don't buy the cheapest car seat. Uh, We're far less price sensitive to things as it relates to, you know, children and kids because there are other considerations beyond just price. And it's so interesting because you can you can peel that out of, of the data. As you said, this bifurcation of searches, right? One for value, one for for luxury let's let's dive into holiday so uh we're in it i mean we're, this uh we're we're folks are listening to this uh we're recording it a bit uh, before but folks are listening to this on black friday so we are in black friday we are in it's the on. peak it's on as you said now um you know we've talked about past years and you've got some data i think to share about when people start and what are your thoughts on uh on how to win coming out of black friday and is there still opportunity what do you think there is. And I think, you know, for, for many, many years, I think retailers focused on, uh, well, you know, online, at least it was the Cyber Monday. That was the digital day. 
Then it was Black Friday, right? These like American traditions that we brought to Canada. And then it was like the Cyber Five, which starts with the Thursday before Black Friday, goes right through the Friday, the weekend, you know, and the Monday. And what we saw, you know, before COVID and certainly through the pandemic is retailers trying to spur that shopping much, much earlier, right? Pulling the deals forward, right? The Black Friday and the Cyber Friday uh, flyers and promotions coming out much, much earlier. And we've seen that play out every single year. This year was no different. So it's less about like Cyber Day, Cyber Five. It really is like nine or 10 weeks of Mm -hmm. elevated shopping. So as we sit here today, as we record this, right, retailers have been trying to build that drumbeat and increase that momentum of shopping activity, front-loading deals, trying to get people to shop earlier. And so that momentum continues to build, you know, as listeners are, are, are listening to this today, mm-hmm. um, what they should know is that those big days are still really important. So hopefully those retailers have built the momentum riding into the big days. You really, really want to win, right, those, those peak days. Um, and so, you know, it starts with like winning the Friday, the weekend, uh, the Monday, but a really important message that we share with retailers is, you know, shopping doesn't end on cyber uh, on Cyber Monday, right? Mm-hmm. There's heightened and elevated shopping that continues throughout that first week of December and right through Boxing Day. Still, it's not some like antiquated Canadian thing. People continue mm-hmm. to shop. Uh, we see more clicks to retailers' websites from Google two weeks after Cyber Week than we saw like the two weeks prior to Cyber Week. Right. You know, Those just, weeks that follow remain yeah. very, very important. Consumers are still looking for deals, gifts for themselves or gifts for others. And those are really, really important sales for retailers to win in those dying days and weeks of the holiday shopping period. It's a super interesting point because a lot of retailers tell me that there's this, what they've called the trough of death after Black Friday, right? Or after Cyber Monday. And I think what you're talking about is a dynamic that is also driven on ship delivery order by dates for e-commerce, um, and I'm wondering if that's going to change over the course of time as more and more retailers off, offer fast in-store pickup. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of activity in e-commerce after, uh, you know, early December because you want to make sure and get it delivered in time. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, maybe yeah, that's so that next year to change. Yeah. What do you think? That, that, that's a really interesting point. So, you know, flashback to those, you know, traumatic, uh, you know, weeks, <laughs> yeah, months, yeah. years of, of COVID, you know, in 2020, as we were all shopping uh, a lot online and stores were closed, there was genuine concern that Canada Post mm-hmm. and FedEx and others wouldn't be able to deliver uh, all of the packages that, that people were, were buying uh, for the holiday season. I mean, one of the things that emerged from COVID, one of the durable changes was that our infrastructure in this country got better. Uh, yep. We were able to deliver packages. It's cheaper. We can get it faster. That like last date of shipping has been pushed out for many retailers and we can do so like reliably so which is more great. So it's extended too. the e-commerce shopping period, mm-hmm. which is great. At the same time, during the pandemic, we saw that rise of a curbside pickup, right? It's that best of both worlds, all of the wonderful things about shopping online, but with the certainty that you can get your gift, right? The benefit of not having to wait a day or two, but you can just drive to like the nearest store that's five or 10 minutes away from you, right? And again, has like made digital more valuable. It's not just shopping online, buying online, but you can shop online, pick up in store. And that too has extended right? That shopping period and that, 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 that moment of influence that digital has, not just online, but in store. You know, measured in one way, e-commerce numbers are kind of flatlining. If you look at, uh, again, measured in one way, you've got all kinds of different, more robust measures. And it doesn't really think 
I don't think it really reflects what's actually happening. So talk about the role of digital in, in sales and maybe asking you about e-commerce numbers, uh, flatlining or up, down or sideways is, is even asking you the wrong question directly. What do, you, what do you see in your data? What's your perspective? Well, I think the data in Canada would say that um, while we are not at the COVID highs in terms of uh, e-commerce as a percentage of, of retail sales in this country, we are above pre-COVID levels and above that historical trend line. So e-commerce did go up in those, this country. That was a durable change, slightly different story than the U.S. and other markets were reverted back to historical levels. Uh, so, th- mm-hmm. you know, that e-commerce change, uh, you know, is here to stay. But I think mm-hmm. the more important question, you sort of alluded to it, is the role that digital plays, not just in terms of uh, e-commerce, but in terms of total retail impact. And one of the mistakes we can make as an industry is equating uh, digital solely to e-commerce and not thinking about the total economic value that it delivers to retailers, both online and in stores. We did this to ourselves, and you would remember it from your <laughs> earliest days working with with and at retailers, right? Yeah. Uh, e-commerce and digital was owned by a digital team who managed the website, who managed e-commerce. They had an e-commerce scorecard. Their bonus is based on e-commerce and, frankly, get no credit for the impact that they have um, in store. Uh, the retailers we work with, those who have stores, know, and when they measure these things and we help them try to measure the impact, know that um, there, there's orders of magnitude greater impact in store uh, from digital. Many retailers see more revenue generated from the online ads, right, generating in-store sales than what they're seeing through e-commerce, right? Digital really is that gateway to all commerce, not just e-commerce. And it's a really, really important point. We've siloed ourselves. We've pigeonholed uh, digital to strictly be sort of a, a, a focus on e-commerce. That's a mistake, uh, and we're still trying to sort of undo right those sins of like you know organizational design and like incentives that were you know set up probably in you know two thousand or two thousand two. Um, listen, I can't have you on the mic without talking about it. it. Doesn't seem like it's right anymore to talk about when you you can't say retail without saying AI in the middle of it. So. How are you or how can the listeners, how can retailers take advantage of AI's predictive power and win in the online advertising game? And, you know, is there is there a play there? I think there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. But what's your advice and, and what's your perspective about um, something new that, that retailers can take advantage of? You know, it's really interesting because I'm not sure we use the word uh, AI on, on last year's holiday podcast. Mm-mm, uh, mm-hmm. And it just, we used other words. We may have talked about automation or machine learning, mm-hmm. other technical innovation, but, you know, AI wasn't talked about. Now, this year in 2023, it's all everyone uh, wants to talk about. And you have uh, some really, really smart people who, you know, are equating uh, innovations in AI to like the invention of the wheel. Uh, or to fire, or to electricity. So it's going to have a profound impact on everything we do uh, in our all, in our small little world of, of of retail and marketing. One of the things I've observed is that you know there's this future that will come with AI, and it's really really exciting. We're going to innovate in a responsible way, and there's going to be a lot of great innovation to come. But in the marketing world, I think that is where you can leverage AI immediately to drive um, to drive business impact. And I think some of the ways retailers do that with us today, it starts with being able to predict demand, right? So retailers are very interested in, you know, how many yoga pants am I going to sell this summer? And when is it going to start to spike in the fall? And, 
um, what should I expect to sell, uh, you know, during Cyber Five and the holiday period, and how does that impact my marketing, my pricing, my inventory? So being able to like use it for predictive purchases based on how people search, search on Google or search on a retailer site, but being able to literally predict demand. And so that is like one area where we spend uh, a lot of time working with retailers. Uh, media, you know, the, the, the placement of media, historically, marketers mm. spend a lot of time allocating budgets between search and video and display ads and all sorts of other things. Increasingly, that is all automated. So a, a retailer will say, this is my goal. I want an ROI of five to one. When I spend a dollar in ads, I, I need to make $5 online or I need to make $10 online and in store. Increasingly, the media placement's all automated, powered by AI. A retailer sets a goal and then Google's machines will allocate, is it a search ad, a display ad, a YouTube ad, right? Based on the goal that the marketers set and our ability to predict who's seeing the ad, what's their propensity to buy and what's that worth um, to the retailer, there's a lot of innovation on the creative side of space, right? I, I've heard AI described it, and you know whether it's GPT or Bard, it's almost like a, a, a calculator for creatives, right? So being able to automatically create ads, automatically being able to create videos, right? Uh, being able to do this quickly, more cost effectively, increasing a marketer's speed to marketing, being able to test different versions, but we're seeing a tremendous impact uh, on the creative side of, of advertising as well. And the, the last point, and I sort of touched on it a minute ago, is this ability to optimize towards total sales. So retail remains siloed. You have digital teams focused on digital. You have CEOs and CFOs and chief merchants who are thinking about right the total sales that are generated from marketing, both online and in-store. AI is the tool retailers can use right to dial up and down the marketing and direct it at the most profitable customer, the customer most likely to buy, again, whether it's online or in store. So being able to optimize marketing, not just to e-com sales, but to total sales. That's a real innovation. Mm. It's been mm. hard to do. We're supercharging it with machines and we're really excited to be able to deliver that value to retailers who have stores. Mm. Yeah, it, it is, uh, it's exciting days. I, I had someone describe, I thought that was very wise. They said, listen, uh, you talked about AI's role in creative. It said, listen, it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, it's going to take a creative team and bring everyone up to the top creative level, which I thought was a really interesting perspective. In other words, it itself without talent doesn't make breakthrough creative, but everyone can make breakthrough creative easier with tools. And likewise, I think they might find everyone can really get the, the most out of, um, out of Google. Thanks to, thanks to AI. I don't think this is the last time we're going to talk about AI, by the way, I think I'm going to have you back on do no, it, it's, it's, it's um, you know, I, I, well said, it's, it's a tool. Uh, my advice to people I work with here, because uh, we're still learning, uh, you know, as mm. we go and, and to others, is like to try and use an AI tool in your day-to-day -day job at least once every day. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, su summarize a document, write an email, generate an image, try something mm -hmm. uh, just to see how it works. Uh, yeah. It's not it's not perfect. And it's it's like a lot of early uh, innovation. Uh, it's not going to get you 100 percent of the way there. But I think it's incumbent on all of us to lean into this innovation, understand what it does well, what it can't do well yet. Um, try and save yourself some time, try and increase your speed to market and get familiar with these tools. Actually, just using the tools is a competitive advantage uh, today. You've mentioned uh, video a couple of times. You've mentioned uh, YouTube. So let's talk about that. Uh, it's a big environment, you know, full length, whether it's full length or whether it's shorts. 
you know, for retailers, it's can be messy. It's sometimes hit and miss. I was on a, I, I was watching a video yesterday. I, I had never seen this a billion downloads. It was a, a, you know, a billion downloads on a, on a video. And, and, you know, we talk about retailers uh, needing to expand and get into video, but, you know, I, I talk to retailers who make a video, they put it out there and, you know, 50 people see it. What is there? What are your three top tips to retailers about getting involved in video and, and how to win in the video game on, on uh, whether it's YouTube full length yeah. or what yeah. do you do? What do you do? Well, I, I preface it by just uh, reminding the audience, like, this is really important. And if you look at sort of the history of, uh, shopping online, you know, browsing, buying, um, you know, historically it was like a, it was almost like spear fishing. Like, you'd know what you wanted to buy. And it was just yeah. about, you know, where can I get it at the lowest price delivered to me, um, the quickest. And it was like this very like functional and in some ways like cold experience. I think what we've observed with the rise of video is, is it's allowed shopping to be like more immersive, more inspiring, more entertaining, taking advantage of like sight, sound and motion. And it works like, 70% of Canadians have said that they bought something as the result of watching, uh, you know, a video online, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, YouTube or other platforms. We see lots of great content, you know, whether it's like product reviews, unboxing. Last year, we've seen the 35% increase in shop with me videos, like these shopping halls and just like people watching other people mm. shopping uh, <laughs> seem, seem strange, but something like a lot of mm. people do uh, and watch. I think you're right to focus on the creative side of things because one of the mistakes we've made, you know, at Google is we talk about, you know, AI and machine learning and a lot of it's on like the formats and the targeting and reaching mm -hmm. the right person. But the creative, the actual creative is yeah. probably the most important part of the equation. I mean, starts with like having a good brand and like good brands, all other things being equal, strong brands outperform brands that aren't as strong. And so make sure you have a brand and that it resonates with people and it looks good and it's featured prominently. Uh, that's a mistake we see retailers make. They don't feature the this brand that they have as prominently as they should uh, in the video. You need like a call to action. Like, what do you want people to do? And it can't just be like buy now, shop now, like in the earliest days. There needs to be a more compelling reason to encourage people to buy, whether it's like the pricing, the availability, the delivery time, the service, whatever it may be. So make sure there's a compelling call to action, um, keeping it simple, like focusing on those one or two sort of hero products that you're selling really important, especially during the holiday season. Don't just stuff a video with lots of stuff like less is more in terms of the, the actual creative and the products that you're featuring. And like, lastly, it, like I, like I was saying with AI, there's, there's a competitive advantage to being agile, to experimenting, to mm -hmm. not just trying to like mm -hmm. learn at the end of the campaign, but what can you mm -hmm. learn? Like, mid campaign from how are you measuring success? What are things that you can do while it's underway to make it perform better? Uh, make sure you're measuring something that you're, you're clear on what the goals are uh, in order for it to be effective. So like agility measurement are probably the, the last two things that I would emphasize to ensure that you have like a, an effective video strategy that reaches shoppers, builds your brand and generates sales. Great advice uh, from someone who knows. Now I need some other advice from you. Um, I increasingly doubt the metrics I'm seeing from Stats Canada on e-commerce and retail in general. They're not capturing, you know, the China factory direct retailers. Uh, they are not even capturing Amazon and Wayfair, at least in the e-commerce numbers. And and the more we go, the farther we go on, uh, I think the numbers are just becoming uh, hard to 
fathom. And I think you've got perhaps um, a better handle, even from your perspective on a lot of this stuff. How are you thinking about growth and e-commerce? I mean, Stats Canada says, yeah, it's kind of flatlined. But, you know, we know we see some of these China factory direct retailers plaking you know, the number one or number two or number three downloaded app. And, and yeah, you know, it, it, the numbers don't make sense to me. And I think there's a gap there. What, what's your perspective on that? And how do, how do we think about where these numbers really, really are from your perspective? Well, I think you're right. The, the numbers have, have never made, uh, you know, any sense in this country. And I think many of us are, are flying without like the right instrumentation. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a problem. Uh, you know, what I will say is this, like, um, like I don't, I don't have the exact number. Sure, Nobody sure. does, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. don't think it really matters. In that, I think we mm. all agree that it's bigger uh, than what's reported. It's just a matter of like how much bigger and how much uh, more important it is. You know, as we talked about earlier, it's really important to think about like digital as more than just you know e-commerce. You know, whether it's like eighty twenty or seventy thirty or fifty fifty or. 80-20 in some categories, right? The, the point is that digital, uh, you know, is influencing sales that occur not just online, but but in store. So let's like not so, sort of lose sight of, of that bigger picture. With respect to the, the retailers um, that you mentioned, um, you know, I, I want to share, I'll share an interesting anecdote. In 2018, 2017-2018, we met with the CEO of one of the largest retailers in the country. And I remember asking, you know, what kept this CEO up at night? What other retailers were they nervous about? And the CEO listed off a whole bunch of retailers, all of which were other traditional brands with stores, nascent e-commerce presence, never mentioned Amazon once. Hmm. And we used to hear that a lot in 2016, 17, even 2018. Canadian retailers really, really underestimated uh, Amazon. Um, and I, I would liken it to like frogs boiling in water uh, yeah, right. in those earliest days yeah, and really yeah. set Canadian retail back. And it was really only during the pandemic where mm-hmm. Canadian retailers upped their investment, their focus on digital was like a, the pandemic was that forcing function uh, to drive the right focus and investment on digital, which was good. Um, but we had a conversation with a large retailer just a few weeks ago. Uh, talking about Sheen and Timo. And it really reminded me of that 2017, mm-hmm. 2018 mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. In the meeting, this Canadian retail executive pulled up Timu's website and was shocked at their assortment and their prices. Yeah, It's like that executive had never visited their site before. Yeah, uh, And it's something that we get asked a lot of questions about from some who are curious, and that's great. But I think the more concerning thing is we have many retailers who aren't asking those questions and are frankly unaware of how big some of these other global brands and marketplaces and emerging retailers have become. And I think it's very, very concerning. And as a country, it's important that we don't make the same mistake. We don't underestimate right these emerging competitors. Uh, let's give them credit. Let's understand how big they've become. Mm-hmm. And let's understand what are competitive advantages to, to fight back and, and defend share or win share against them. Well stated uh, from someone who's been in the industry uh, a long, long time. So wise advice. Uh, thanks for that. Now, um, last question. Where do folks go to get in touch with you or go to find out great information uh, that you're, you and your people put out? Where, where do we get in touch and where do we tap? 
tap into all these insights? Well, anyone can connect with me on on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to point people uh, in the right direction if they have questions on any of the ideas or stats that I've discussed today. Think with Google is a, a really, really uh, you know good resource. Uh, case studies, uh, newsletters, stats, uh, research. Uh, it is one of my go-to sources, and not just because I work here. Uh, it's 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 a wealth of information on this industry other industries, which frankly, retailers can learn a lot from and like broader digital trends and transformation. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, if you're listening and you're not already signed up, um, think with Google, you haven't bookmarked it, you haven't signed up for the newsletters, uh, please do. It's really, really good content. Well, like I said, uh, this is not uh, a year for me without talking to you, my friend. Uh, we've yeah. both uh, done this in person. We've done it remotely. Uh, but any which way you and I have a conversation, I always learn something and it's always interesting. So thanks for joining me once again on the mic uh, to talk about uh, retail and e-commerce and all those great things. And I wish you uh, continued success and, and uh, health and all that great stuff for your family and, and a great holiday season ahead uh, for both uh, you and and all your clients as well so once again thanks for joining me on the pod thanks as always for having me and happy holidays to you too thanks for tuning into this episode of the voice of retail if you haven't already follow on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically each week and be sure and check out my other retail industry media properties the remarkable retail podcast with steve dennis and the global e-commerce leaders podcast i'm your host michael blanc senior retail advisor keynote speaker Rethink Retail 2023 Global Top Retail Influencer. If you want more content or chat, follow me on LinkedIn. Safe travels, everyone.